0: Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Uh, hopefully y'all are more awake than the first service. they were a little sleepy. Y'all are awake this morning? All right. Some of you are. That's good. That's good. Uh, man, I hope you've had a great week. Uh, I know it has been a lot of rain. Hopefully you've been able to stay dry in the midst of all that rain, but some gorgeous weather. So hopefully you've been able to enjoy that. I do just want to say welcome to each and every one of you. Uh, My name is Kyle, and I'm just really glad that you are here with us. If it's your first time, wow, thanks so much for being brave and coming in here and joining us for a bit as we just sing about, talk about, and hopefully live for Jesus. That's our aim, and that is our goal. Well, we're in week three of this series called Flipside. It's going to be the final week of this series. We kicked it off on Easter, and we talked about the flip side of the grave. So we talked much about Jesus and everything he did and coming back from the dead. And then last week we talked about the flip side of happiness. And then today we're talking about the flip side of heaven. So speaking of heaven, a cab driver reaches the pearly gates. St. Peter looks him up in his big book and tells him to pick up a gold staff and a silk robe and to proceed into heaven. Next in line is a preacher. St. Peter looks him up in his big book, furrows his eyebrows, and says, Okay, we'll let you in, but take that cloth robe and that wooden staff. The preacher is shocked and says, But I'm a man of the cloth. I'm a preacher, and surely I deserve more than a cabbie. St. Peter responds matter-of-factly, This is heaven and up here we are interested in results. When you preached, people slept. When the cabbie drove, people prayed. Since we're laughing, uh, there was these two old men, uh, Sal and uh, Abe, and Sal and Abe, they were old friends, and they hung out every day at the park as they were getting up in age, and they would feed the pigeons, and just talk about life, and mostly talk about baseball. They just loved baseball. Well, as they're sitting there talking, one turns to the other and says, man, do you, do you think there's going to be baseball in heaven? And the other one thinks about it for a minute, he says, I, I don't know, but let's make a deal. If I... I die and go to heaven before you do, I'll come back and tell you whether there's baseball in heaven. And if you die before I do, you got to come back and tell me whether or not there's baseball in heaven. So they shake hands on it and done deal. Well, sadly, a few months later, um, Abe passes away. And soon afterward, there's Sal sitting in this spot feeding the pigeons all by himself, nobody to talk to, because Abe is gone. And here's this voice that says, Sal, Sal. He says, Abe, is, is that you? He's like, yeah, it's me. He said, I came back to give you the news about heaven. He said, okay, great. And he said, well, it's good news and it's bad news. He said, well, I'll take the good news first. He said, the good news is there's baseball in heaven. He's like, man, that's terrific news. He's like, there can't be any bad news that would, you know, bring me down from that. He said, so what's the bad news? He said, the bad news is you're pitching on Friday. So today, we're going to talk about the subject, the place of heaven. I don't know what your thoughts are and your imaginations and your ideas about heaven are, but here's what I know. A lot of people have very weird, strange, wild, bizarre thoughts about heaven. A lot of those thoughts are formed because of corny jokes like I just told. Um, If you grew up in the age that I did, you know, a few years ago, maybe, you know, in your mind, God looks like and sounds like George Burns, right? Or if you're a little bit younger, maybe you think God looks like and sounds like Morgan Freeman, right? Depending on which, you know, which one you came up in. Some people think of heaven and they think, man, it's like going to be this eternal church service, right? Like choir robes and just on and on and on singing and here we go and Man, it's just gonna be forever. And depending on your take on that, some of you be like, yeah, and some of you are like, oh some of you are like, man, I'm just glad we only sang three songs this morning. You're like, you know, we normally sing four. Will we cut one back. And maybe in your head right now, you're thinking, I don't know if I can do that. When I was a kid growing up, especially like visiting pastors that were there, you know, they were they'd get to come in and preach for a few days and lots of you know, charisma and you know, flamboyancy and excitement and everything like that. Anyway, we did this thing called, like, revivals back in the day where you go to church, like, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, eternity. That's what we did, right? (laughs) And so about Wednesday night, as, like, a 9, 10-year-old kid, you're just kind of feeling it, right? You've gone to school all day you got to show up early to eat with the preacher because you're the preacher's kid. You know, the whole deal, you're trying to get homework done, and you're kind of feeling, you know, anyway, you kind of doze off a little bit. And some of those guys would notice some of us young people kind of, you know, feeling it in church and kind of, you know, eyes in the back of our head kind of moment. And they would say things like, listen, if you're not enjoying church right now, you're not going to enjoy heaven. And in my head in that moment, I'm like, I don't know if I'm looking forward to heaven or not. You know what I'm saying? Like all these thoughts that come through our head when it comes to heaven. So what's heaven going to be like? Uh, What is going to be there? What's not going to be there? And maybe most importantly, who will be in heaven? Again, all these ideas floating around our head, and speaking of floating, I think a lot of times we think about clouds, we think about chubby babies, we think about harps, right? All of these thoughts that maybe are in our mind. Well, as we talk about heaven this morning, and anytime you think about heaven, I want to encourage you to use your imagination. It's a very beautiful thing that God has given us. And one of the reasons why I think God has given us an imagination is not just for now, but it's for later. Um, In fact, um, if you have kids, they probably come up with some pretty incredible thoughts and opinions and imaginations about heaven. You probably have your own, and I would just encourage you, especially with your kids, if they're talking about heaven, what will be there, what won't be there, especially if you can't find what they're talking about in Scripture. Uh, don't squash their imagination as long as they're not getting over into the area of sin. I don't think there's anything wrong with imagining really cool thoughts. Like, I don't know if we're going to be able to fly. I don't know if we're going to swim with dolphins. I don't know. All those kind of, I don't know. But like, as long as we don't move into the arena of sin. But here's what I want to encourage you with strongly. When you imagine heaven and you're allowing your imagination to really get going about heaven, don't lose sight of Jesus. Heaven is a place that is all about the worship of a person, and his name is Jesus. I'm going to repeat that. Heaven is a place that's all about the worship of a person, and his name is Jesus. He is who it is all about. So today we want to talk about heaven, and we want to talk about the flip side of heaven. Here's what I know. Um, in preparing for the Flipside series, I was really excited about heaven. And anyway, when we got to really preparing for it and I really started spending time on it, the more overwhelmed I got and the more nervous I got about preaching about heaven. It's such a massive, huge subject that, to be honest, we know very little about. And so today, as I open my mouth, and better yet, as we open Scripture I hope that I give you some things that bring clarity. There's a lot of things that I can't answer that I don't know, whether it's a yes or no, will it or won't it, I don't know. But there's some things today that we can be sure of that I pray stir us up and get us going. So as I was thinking about heaven, trying to describe heaven, and we're definitely going to read about heaven this morning, some things that we can rest assured are true, I was thinking about how I could use words and ideas to help describe it. Think with me for a moment. You ever had one of those moments, and you probably had a few of them, where you're in a place that you would just say, man, that's my favorite place on the planet, and around you are some of your favorite people, and everything is just right in that moment in time. And you just have one of those moments where you're like, I wish this would never end. You ever had one of those moments? Most of the time we call that vacation, Right? And we sit there and went, man, I wish this would never end. Let me tell you what's going on right there. I think God is giving us a glimpse, and it's only a glimpse, but a glimpse of heaven. A glimpse of heaven. I think there's a lot more things about this planet in which we do live that give us deep glimpses into heaven than what we realize. And I think that may uh, just come to clarity as we continue to talk this morning. But we've had those moments. I don't know for you, like places, I don't know if it's mountains or it's beach, but think about some of your favorite spots right now. Can you imagine Maui redeemed? That's a pretty cool idea, right? Like everything perfect. I mean, Maui and everything perfect to go along with it, all right? Um, Can you imagine Colorado Redeemed. That's a pretty cool idea, right? I don't know about you, but I love Colorado. I love the mountains. I love to ski. Um, I'm thinking in heaven there will be no snowboarders there. It's just going to be a beautiful, beautiful time. It's going to be so good. Colorado. Here's one that will stretch your imagination really hard. Can you imagine California redeemed? That will make you chuckle just a little bit when you think about it. Those of you from California, I don't know if I just encouraged you or discouraged you. I don't know which. Um, places on earth. I don't know whether Disney will be redeemed or not. I just don't. I don't know. Now, some of you hate me. All right, let's, let's think on to what we're really getting to. What, what are we going to do in heaven? What are we going to do in heaven? Well, there's one thing I believe we won't do in heaven. I, I don't think that there will be any fishing in heaven. We're going to read it in just a few minutes, but Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8 says there will be no more liars there, so I'm thinking fishing is out the window. But there will be, listen to me, there will be unending, this is so huge, you might want to write some of these words down because it's so beautiful, unending joy. Oh, unending joy, unending pleasure. Here's two words I want you to put together we don't put together very often, holy pleasure. How often do we put those two words together, holy and pleasure? There will be holy, unending pleasure in Heaven. Most of the time in our world, in our context, in our mindset, we think about pleasure. It normally has something sinful to go along with it. And holy is like over here at church for about an hour, right? And yet in heaven we are going to experience holy pleasure. And you may be struggling right now to even imagine or conceive that idea, but that's what we're going to experience. There's going there to be no unfulfilled desires when we get there. Endlessness. And foreverness are the glory of glory. So, uh, the last couple weeks we've had a shape. Some of you have been tracking with that. Some of you could care less. But for those of you who care, a couple weeks ago we had a triangle. Last week we had a square. Not gonna put one on the screen, but if you want one today, you can go with a circle because a circle is unending, right? There you go. So, eternity, this unending, un, uh, excuse me, unending pleasure that's gonna happen. So, it's this great story we're getting to be a part of in the future. Every chapter being better than the last. And with what little bit that we know about heaven, and we're going to maybe learn a little bit more today or be reminded of a few more things, but with what little bit that we know about heaven, doesn't it just take your breath away? to Think, man, that place exists, and there's a possibility of me being there. Let me give you the big idea, and then we're going to look into Scripture because I want you to really not miss this big idea. Okay, It's in your notes. It's going to be on the screen. Going to heaven is going to be with Jesus. Going to heaven is going to be with Jesus. Again, heaven is a place that's all about the worship of a person and his name is Jesus. So when we talk about going to heaven, the clearest way that we can say it and know that we are saying truth every time is to say to go to heaven is to go to be with Jesus. So Revelation chapter 21 is where we're going to be and we're going to read Revelation chapter 21 verse number 1. We're going to read the entire ch- chapter um, I'm going to stop in a few moments and expound a little bit. Some of it, I'm just going to let it read and say what it says, and there's portions of it that I cannot explain, I'll be really honest with you. We're going to get to one spot. There's going to be some words that, uh, that are names of like jewels that, and precious stones that I can't pronounce, and I'll let you pronounce them, so a little crowd participation would be awesome. But we're going to begin in Revelation chapter 21, and verse number 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. What did that say he saw? A new what? New heaven and a... oh, so heaven's not just this cloudy spot, but we're being described here as a new heaven and a new earth. Now, let me push pause on what we're reading and explain a couple things. This is a future look that is to come. It hasn't come to pass yet, but it's going to when this new heaven and this new earth do take place. One of these days in the near future, I believe it could be today, Jesus is going to come back and he is going to get all of his believers and all of his followers. There is going to be a resurrection, a rapture that's going to take place. All the dead in Christ will rise and all of those that are alive in Christ will go to be with Jesus. After that, there is going to be a thousand year span where Jesus is going to set up His rule and His reign here on this earth, okay? Then after that, we are going to experience Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 1, where there is a new heaven and a new earth. Go on and read verse 1. It says, For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse 3. I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them, and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. What a cool, cool verse of Scripture that is. So one of these days, all of us who belong to God through Jesus are going to be with God and God is going to be with us. He is not going to be someone that we're saying really exists and we believe that he exists by our faith, but our faith then will have become sight and we will get to see and to experience God. It's just an incredible thing that we're seeing described here in a perfect environment. Speaking of perfection, look at verse number 4. Look at some of the stuff that will not be in heaven. By the way, if you're looking for a place to like get happy and say, "Yay, Jesus, you're good. Looking forward to heaven." Amen. All right, verse 4. All right. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's really, really good stuff right there. So he lists these things that are gone, crying, death, sorrow, and pain. All these things that are gone forever. Let me give you some other things that flow out of this goneness that are true for heaven. Um, some things that will finally come to an end. In heaven, there will be no more frustration. Anybody wired up like me, I get frustrated a lot. I get frustrated at myself. I get frustrated at other people. I get frustrated at organizations. I get frustrated at drivers. Are you with me? I get frustrated. Guess what that frustration is in me and in you? It is a longing for perfection. It is a God-given longing that we will not see fulfilled this side of heaven. It is a desire to be in what we are reading about in Revelation chapter 21. That's why God created me. That's why God created you. That's the reason why you're experiencing frustration now is because you are longing for what is to be. Come now. I believe God can work in our hearts and lives today and help us with that frustration. But ultimately, we are living in a very imperfect, fallen place, and we are going to experience it. Can you imagine day after day after day with no frustration, with no anxiety or worry? Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? No bills. Somebody give me an amen, hallelujah. Some of you are having, yeah, you're getting excited up in here. No more bills. Your house is going to be paid for. And it's not going to be a little cabin over in the corner. You're going to be living in a fat mansion that's beyond anything that you can imagine, even today, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. No more rising gas prices. No more braces for the kids. Can I get an amen on that? No more fights in the marriage. Everybody's quiet on that one. That's okay. I'm glad. That's good. That's one moment right there. But, but that's good news, isn't it? Man, can you imagine everyone, ev- everyone being treated well? Dignity, respect, love, care, total unity. Imagine no more child abuse. No more hunger, no more homelessness, no more cold words, no more revenge, no more bitterness. God is promising to us a place and a future and a forever in which nothing will mar or diminish our joy. A place of perfect fellowship, of perfect service, of perfect peace, perfect provision, perfect protection. Perfect guidance and, again, perfect joy. A pleasure that will never end. A holy, unending pleasure. Look at verse number five. And sitting on the throne, and the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. So God is talking to John who writes this down. He says, what you're about to see and what you're about to hear, write it down. John does his best to do it. There is no way that we can fully comprehend this because John saw it, heard it, wrote down what he could, and couldn't fully understand it nor describe it. So there's no way we can. But he goes on in verse number 6. And he said, and he also said, it is finished. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. So we've got Jesus speaking here. He's speaking into what he accomplished through the gospel, when Jesus hung on the cross and he declared it is finished, is the same that is happening here. All payment for all sin, for all mankind, for all of eternity, done through the cross. Our salvation begins in Jesus. Our salvation is going to be fulfilled in Jesus. He is going to be the center of our lives. He is going to be the center of heaven. He is going to be the center of everything that we do. Heaven is a place where people are there to worship one, and his name is Jesus. Verse number seven. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. How are we victorious? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's how we win. We win through Jesus. And all who are victorious will inherit these blessings. I will be their God and they will be my children. Verse number eight. The cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars. There it is, fishermen. And all liars, listen, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Everybody nice and comfortable now? Man, that's one of those verses where everybody in the room that was paying attention at all, believe it or not, we're all like, whoa, what did we just read right there? What? What? Let me say a couple things that I think this verse does and that it's supposed to do. And there's a bunch of things that maybe it, that, that could be used for that it's not supposed to. But let me tell you what this verse is supposed to do. Listen to me. If you are an unbeliever, okay, and you find yourselves being very, very uncomfortable in reading this, thinking, man, that stuff right there, some of that's me. And then that place that it talks about, this place of uh, a fiery lake of burning sulfur and the second death, this place that we commonly call hell, that's very scary, uh, very um, painful to an unimaginable extent. This should stir your heart towards the one who declared just a couple of verses before that it's finished. Because I'm telling you, Jesus paid... For your sin, even these, and when you place your faith through repentance of your sin in Jesus Christ, he forgives you of all of it, and instead of going to this place that we call hell, you get to go to this place called heaven. Instead of being separated from God, you get to spend eternity with God. So today, if you're not a believer, we want you to believe in Jesus. Why? Because he can forgive all of your sin and make you right with God and allow you to go to heaven. For believers that are in the room. Maybe you're reading that list, and I don't know, let's just pick maybe the smallest one on the list, and let's just say lying kind of catches you right now, and you know, maybe in the last couple weeks, like you told one, maybe it's a little white one, maybe it's a big, bold one, but you've lied, and this has kind of got you feeling kind of edgy right now. Well, like, am I going to hell when I die? Listen to me. Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross, listen to me, paid for your sin, passed Present and future. He is our Savior and He is our hope. So, what this is saying to me and saying to you who are believers. This is not who we are anymore. This is not how we're supposed to act anymore. And if this is the way you've been acting lately, you haven't been acting from your identity in Christ. You've gone back to the old man of who you used to be, and you need to remember who you are in Christ. And if you've done something that says this is wrong, you need to make your fellowship with God right by saying, that's not me anymore, God. I am so sorry Please help me redirect my life back onto the path that you want me to be on. I want fellowship with you because I know I've got relationship with you. So if you're a believer, and this stirs you, let it stir you. But listen, if you are in Christ, and the way that you're in Christ is by placing your faith in Him. If you are in Christ, one day you will be in heaven. If you are in Christ, one day you will be in heaven. It's not based on the things that we do or don't do. It's based on Jesus and whether or not we placed our faith in him. That's it. That's it. This is really good news. This is really incredible. I don't know about you, but God's let me off the hook for a lot of stuff. He can let your neighbor off the hook too. Why? Because he paid the penalty for it on the cross. But can you imagine a world where none of this exists? Just again, just lying. Can you imagine forever without lying? Like, nobody lies. Nobody says anything about you that's untrue. That gets you fired up? Gets me fired up! People go around saying things about me that aren't true. Come on now! Woo! Gets me going. Can you imagine forever without that jump? No deception. No evil. No sin. No Satan. By this point, Revelation 21, that we see in the future, Satan is gone forever. Gone forever. Gone forever. Don't have to deal with him anymore. No more of that junk. He's gone. He's gone. This is good stuff. All right, verse number nine. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, I told you there's some stuff that I don't fully comprehend. This is one of them. If you read back, there's more about all this seven stuff. I can't explain it to you well. I could try, but I'm not even going to try right now. Just know we got one of the seven angels holding seven things. All right? Here's what he says. Come with me and I will show you the bride, talking to John, come with me and I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Who's the lamb that we're speaking of here in Revelation chapter 21? Jesus, okay? Jesus. Jesus is the bridegroom. We who are believers, who make up this beautiful thing called his bride, who make up this beautiful thing called his church, are what he's talking about coming together. Now verse number 10. So he took me in the Spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city. So John's getting a glimpse of something that he's trying to describe to us that human eyes have never seen before, and he comes back and tries to put it in language that we can understand. Here's what he says. Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, verse 11, it shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high, the twelve gates guarded by twelve angels. And the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three great gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones. On them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Verse 15. The angel who talked to me, held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city. If you are a construction guy, you've got your 75-footer on you all the time, right? You're that guy, right? Can you imagine that sucker being made out of gold? He's got a gold measuring stick. It goes on. Look at what it says. It says he held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length, width, and height were each 1,400 feet Miles. So even if your 75 footer was made of gold, he just topped you big time. He's got a big measuring stick here. Goes on, verse 17. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick. This is great. According to the human standard used by the angel. Verse 18. The wall was made of jasper, drywall. All right, drywall made of jasper. How about that? All right, we're going with jasper now. The city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on the foundation stones and laid with twelve precious stones. The first was jasper. The second was sass- sapphire. The third was a gate. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, onyx. The sixth, your turn to talk. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The twelfth, your turn again. And the eleventh, go for it. And the twelfth, I'll try amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls. Each gate from a single pearl. What? Y'all know how pearls are formed and made, right? Like, you know, in, in a little shell and you know, they grow and if you, if you get a really big and a pure one, it's worth a ton of money. A piece, uh, excuse me, a pearl big enough to build a gate out of, a gate for heaven, one of which has walls that are 216 feet thick. That's the size of pearl that we're talking about here that God decides to use. Goes on, verse 21. And the main street was pure gold as clear as glass. How's your street doing now, right? I'm thinking dominoes and that whole ad campaign thing they got. It's out the window now, right? Like, what are they gonna do, man? Streets of gold, pure and smooth. Verse 22 I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Listen to me so closely. We do not. We will not worship a place. We do not, we will not worship a place. We worship a person now, and we will worship a person, and his name is Jesus. He is the king and the ruler of this church. He is the king and the ruler of heaven. We worship him now because one day we will worship him face to face. Verse 23. The city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb Jesus is its light. The nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. There's more implications to those gates being left open. Do you realize everything evil has been banished and gone and away forever? There's no fear of any bad dudes rolling up in there. Gates are wide open. Everybody comes and goes as they please it. Why? Because everybody deserves to be there. Why do we deserve to be there? Because of Jesus. Everything's completely safe. Safe, saved forever. Why? Because of Jesus. And no no night will ever come upon the place. Verse 26, and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. So we've got this coming together of every nation and every tribe. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Verse 27, nothing evil will be allowed to enter. Woo! I guess there won't be any TV there. Oh, yeah, hmm. let's not talk about that. Nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, listen to this, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't know about you, but I want to go there. So the question then is, how do I get there? Well, it says here, to get in, your name has to be written in the Lamb's book of life. So the question then is, okay, how do I get my name in that book? Who do I have to talk to? Who do I have to slip a 20? How do we work this thing out? How do I make sure that I, how much good do I need to do? Who do I need to impress who, who do I need to overwhelm with all my kindness and all my good looks? How do I go about doing this? Listen, there's only one way to get your name written into the book of life. It is the only way in which anyone will ever get into heaven, and it's through Jesus. It's when I place my faith through my repentance of my sin in Jesus, he comes into my life, he saves me, he changes me forever, and in that moment, he writes my my name down in that book, and he says it will never, ever be removed. That is incredible, that is tremendous, that is awesome, that is wonderful, that is the gospel. That is the gospel. This is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ at work having full effect in our lives now and in the future. This is how we get our names in the book of life. Again, if you are in Christ, you will be in heaven. And going to heaven is to be with Jesus. So for just a few moments, we've talked about heaven. Let's talk about the flip side. Okay, let's talk about the flip side. Listen to me. The flip side of heaven for an unbeliever is hell. Now, if you you know me very well, I, I don't get excited about talking about hell. I do not get excited about preaching about hell. Uh, some people say I don't talk about hell enough. I'm just here to tell you, they're, they're, it's a staggering idea. It's a place that I truly believe exists. It's one that I believe we ought to talk about. It's one that I believe we ought to... Share, and it's the flip side of heaven for the unbeliever, that lake of fire that was talked about earlier, this place called hell. It's a real place, but listen to me very carefully. Hell was created by God for Satan and his fallen angel followers. I want you to get that. You may need to write that down. Hell was created for Satan and his fallen angel followers. It's so important that you get that. It's so important that you know that. That is God's plan for Satan because of his evil, corruptness, and heart that he has. That, that's his plan for Satan. Well, some people think about hell and how painful it is and the unimaginable pain that it is. And they would say, potentially, well, how would a good God send people to heaven to the point that it makes you doubt whether hell exists? or doubt if that's how God functions or not, or maybe even doubt whether that is God or not, or if there is a God or not. I want you to catch this, and it's going to be on the screen. It's so important. Listen to me. God doesn't send people to hell. God saves people to heaven. God doesn't send people to hell. He saves people to heaven. Do people go to hell when they die? Yes, they do. But it's because they chose to reject the incredible sacrifice of Jesus that he made on the cross and came back from the dead. They they rejected that and they chose their path. God's plan and desire is to save people so that they can experience him and his presence in this glorious, perfect place called heaven. Hell was created for Satan and his fallen angels. We choose to go there because of our sin and rejecting Jesus. 2 Peter chapter 3. This is so important that you see this. 2 Peter chapter 3. So it's confirmed. This is like one of the quietest moments in the first service and one of the quietest moments in the second. So I assume we're on to something here. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise. What's His promise? His promise is that Jesus is going to come back and that Jesus is going to make everything right. He's going to do away with everything that is wrong and He's going to come back and make everything right. God is not late. He is not off on His schedule. He is not whacked up in His calendar. Everything is moving on time. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Now, when you read that, if you're a believer, you might be thinking, well, yeah, he's thinking about my friend here. Listen, your sake. What if Jesus would have come back a year before you gave your faith to, in Christ? Just a year. One year. What if he would have come back before you had time to say, I'm a sinner, you're the Savior, please save me. He is patient for your sake. Look what else it goes on to say. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He does not want anyone to perish, but wants everyone to what? Repent. Why? Because through way of repentance, we get to go to where? Heaven. If we don't repent, we go to hell, and that's not what he wants for anybody. So he's being patient right now. We're groaning, we're wanting this thing to be over, we're wanting everything to be made right. But you got to understand, every second that God chooses not to come back because it's not yet on schedule for him is another second, another moment for someone, maybe you, to come to know him so that you can experience him, so that you can have his salvation, so that you can go to heaven. So this is incredible stuff. Look at verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Verse 11. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. So here's what we're starting to see now. We've seen the flip side of heaven for the unbeliever. Now we're starting to see the flip side of heaven for the believer. Look what it says. Verse 11. What holy and godly lives you should live. Verse 12. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along, on that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we, believers, are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. Listen to me. The flip side of heaven for the believer is here. It's now. Wait a minute. What? The flip side of heaven is now. Yes. If I fully comprehend who I am in Christ... And that I'm going to get to be in heaven because I'm in Christ. And all of that perfection and all of that holiness is going to be experienced by me. And one of these days, I'm going to be like Jesus. My job now as a result of that, my responsibility and my privilege and my opportunity now is to be like Jesus now. So that in my space and in my time, I bring just a little bit of foretaste. Just a little bit of a glimpse into heaven with my kind words, with my loving actions, with my forgiving spirit, with my graciousness. I am able to give people just a little bit of a glimpse into heaven. I'm getting myself ready to experience life there because that's how we're going to function there. And it also is how people need to see us function now, so they'll want to go there. If our spiel is, heaven's a really perfect place, you'll want to go there with us, let me treat you like crud every day of the year, how many people are going to listen to us? They're not. They're like, well, you're telling me it's going to be perfect, but you're, what? Like now, like this is how you are? No, like we find ourselves becoming more like Jesus now, living holy lives, because we know that day is coming, bought, paid for. Done deal. And therefore, the flip side of heaven is here. It is now. It is me taking some of this time and some of this space, using my breath to allow heaven to flow out of me, using my interactions to give people just a little bit of a taste of heaven here on earth. And when they start asking why I'm different, when they start asking why I'm kind why I'm gracious and why I'm good, I'm just going to tell them it's because I'm such a good person, right? No. I'm going to tell them about my Jesus that saved me from hell to heaven and how they can go there too and how we can experience a perfect life forever. So again, man, this, this, this idea is so huge. Going to heaven is going to be with Jesus and it's only possible. It's only possible because of Jesus. So as we look forward hopefully today as believers, as we look forward to the new heavens and the new earth, I want us to check out Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. And what's happening in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 26, Jesus is here on this earth. He's literally just a few hours away from being betrayed. He's a few hours away from being hung on a cross. It hasn't happened yet in Matthew 26. Jesus is hanging out with his closest followers, and he gives us this incredible gift that happens in the midst of a dinner. It's called the Passover meal. They did it every year as Jews. We don't do it in our culture today. If you have Jewish friends, you may be somewhat familiar with it. But it was a time of remembrance for them. It's how the Jewish system worked. They were having that, and they were remembering the greatness of God and how he passed over the, 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 the people that, that spread the blood in the Old Testament, and the Exodus. It's just cool, cool thing. And they're having this moment. And in the midst of that, Jesus gives his closest followers something new, something fresh, something different that is passed along to us today, the church, that we have the privilege of participating in and experiencing it. We call it the Lord's Supper and or communion. Look at Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread. And blessed it. He broke it into pieces and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, for this is my body. He took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And in other places in Scripture, it makes it very clear that when we do this, when we take this bread and when we take this cup, our role as believers, our responsibility is to remember Jesus, to do it in remembrance of him. Not to do it for ourselves, not to do it for anybody else around us, but to do it as an act of worship, an act of remembrance, an act of saying, Jesus, your body was broken for me, your blood was shed for me. The, the, the bread that would have been handed out on that day was an unleavened bread. Leaven's that stuff that makes the bread rise, right? There's nothing wrong with leaven, but culturally and religiously and biblically, leaven is always shown forth as a type. That's a very important word, a type. sin. But there was no leaven used in that bread today. There's no leaven in the bread that we're eating today because we are remembering the body of Jesus. Jesus was perfect and without sin. So when we take the bread and we eat it, we are remembering the perfect, sinless body of Jesus Christ. When we take the cup, obviously the color denotes what we're remembering in the blood of Of Jesus Christ. And we are remembering that Jesus died for our sin and made the payment for our sin once and for all time to be able to declare it is finished through his shed blood. Beautiful moment in which we as believers, as a church, we remember Jesus. Check out verse number 29. Mark my words, Jesus says, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He just went from saying, hey guys, every time you do this, remember me, think back to me, think back to my body, think back to my blood for you. Think back, think back, think back. Look what he just said. He said, all right, I want you to think forward now. So today, I want to encourage you as a believer in Jesus Christ. To remember Jesus, his body, his blood, as we spoke of just a moment ago. And I want you to look forward to heaven. I've often wondered, like, what it must have been like to be one of those guys that got to sit around the table with Jesus and have this moment with him. Do you realize what Jesus just said? We're going to get one of those moments. Our moment's coming. I don't know how big the table's going to be. I don't know where I'm going to get to sit or where you're going to get to sit. But here's what I know. Because of the blood of Jesus, I've got a seat at the table. I've got a seat at the table and I'm going to get to experience taking this moment with Jesus in one day in the perfect future. So today we as we drink and we remember and we remember that Jesus washed us of our sins we're looking forward to the day when there is no more sin, no more crying, no more pain, no more shame, no more meanness, no more corruptness, no more Satan, no more temptation just Jesus, an unending holy pleasure. So this morning, this morning as we take this opportunity, look back, and maybe for the first time, maybe, look forward to that day that we get to sit down with Jesus.